Spring is here and baseball is back. You can't forget the Derby. I love the hats. Do you have yours yet? My hat? I treated myself to a whole outfit. If you want to be able to treat yourself, then you should check out the Nest Savings Account at LGE Community Credit Union, where they want you to reach your savings goals faster. Take it from a pair of 680 The Fan wives. Head to lgeccu.org to find out what makes their team number one in Georgia. This is the Ben Burnett Show, the only show in America that features a one-term has-been retired politician that nobody knows on Extra 106.3. Welcome into the Ben Burnett Show. It's Sunday, right afternoon. Thanks for making me a part of your day. Each and every week Sunday, we go through the week's current events. A little bit of a different show than you hear most of the time on Extra 106.3 for all the right reasons. Tonight at 6 o'clock, you can listen to the NASCAR All-Star Race. 6 p.m., Charlotte Motor Speedway. They're going to go 600 miles. No points awarded. I'm picking Kyle Larson. I pick Kyle Larson because I think he pretty much wins every week. If it's not him, it's Denny Hamlin, maybe Joey Logano. It's one of those three. You can DM me, get my mentions, tell me I'm wrong. I'm not wrong. Those guys are on a hot streak in NASCAR like nobody has seen in a long time. We need to get Georgia boy Chase Elliott back into everything. I miss seeing him run up front. It's time after he broke his leg. He hadn't quite been the same. But, hey, look, every all, all athletes, quote-unquote athletes, face injuries and adversity. Love Chase Elliott. Awesome Bill from Dawsonville's son. Lots to get to this week. We've had, we've had several people enter the race for president. Tim Scott earlier in the week in an event in Charleston announces that he's going to run for president two days later. We've got Ron DeSantis in the Twitter fiasco where he gets, sits down with Elon Musk, announces that he's going to run for president. I give him a lot of credit. I know that that event didn't go according to plan. They had bandwidth problems. They didn't realize that three million total people were going to access the spaces feed in the course of about an hour. Sometimes when you're on the emerging end of technology, things change. We, we don't quite uncover. I don't think Elon Musk was ready for the media sensation that he was going to create. And I think they paid off in a huge way. I know it didn't go according to plan. I know that the Washington Post and the AJC and the New York Times have really killed the guy over choosing to go to Twitter, not having the infrastructure set up in all the right ways. But look, I heard 85% of it. I actually thought it was an incredibly intelligent thing because he took questions from members of Congress. Sure, they were softballs. He took questions from the media, most of them friendly. He got into some things that are really hot button issues that sit outside of the guns and unborn kids. He talked about cryptocurrency. He talked about banking. He thought he talked about some of the bailouts. He talked about his he talked about his strategy with the Department of Defense as a Navy veteran. Ron DeSantis is an interesting guy. Yale educated for undergrad, went to Harvard for law school, sat in Congress for six years, all in, five years in active duty, three in the reserves, ran for Congress, got elected. He was still in the reserves, sat in the Foreign Relations Committee, a lot of a lot of committees. People that I've had on my show over time, I asked him about Ron DeSantis like I did with Tom Price, and he said, you know, he's a mild member of Congress. When he became the governor of Florida, he took a couple of pages out of the Trump playbook and realized that in order to grow the profile, you had to be loud and proud. I don't fault Donald Trump for that. I don't fault Ron DeSantis for that. Brian Kemp is it? If you ask me why Brian Kemp isn't a front-running presidential contender, it's two things. It's the accent, regardless of how intelligent the guy may be. I think it holds him back. 
And look, he hasn't spiked the football at every turn. Ron DeSantis spikes the football, dances in the end zone every time he gets a win. There's a big difference between Washington and the state of Florida or the state of Georgia or the state of California. It's a really, really divided place. Florida governs with both chambers, the House and the Senate are governed by conservative Republicans. Georgia's the same way. You can draw those lines any way you want to, but largely the governor of a state really gets to drive his agenda in a much more effective way. Washington is designed to move slowly for a couple of reasons. Only the best ideas make it through. You look at most of the votes that come through the United States Senate that pass onto the House or vice versa, they require 60 votes, which on its face with 50 states who don't seem to agree on absolutely anything means that progress is virtually impossible. It's why you've seen Barack Obama and Joe Biden really issue executive order after executive order over the partisan parts of their agenda where they felt like they had the liberty. They're more than willing to get sued by the other side and let the Supreme Court have its say over something is whether it's constitutional, whether it's not. You've seen it in the last couple of weeks. Title 42 made its way to the Supreme Court a couple months back and they said, yep, a health, safety, and welfare issue is at hand here. So we can consider keeping these migrants out of the United States until a certain date when the pandemic is quote-unquote over in the eyes of the federal government. And then you saw the federal government some weeks later announce, hey, look, the coronavirus pandemic is over, and it's going to be over in May. We both know. Ron DeSantis showed you the COVID pandemic was really over about the time it started. The first time that virus mutated, there was nothing that Americans were going to be able to do. I suspect that we will all get COVID four or five more times in our lifetime. Is it going to be as severe as the original strain? Probably not. We're better equipped as a society. We're better equipped as a medical system. And we know more. But Ron DeSantis deserves a lot of credit. One of the things I said on my thought in one take this week is that politicians take credit for all sorts of things that they don't actually deserve. I think Ron DeSantis is actually the exception to that rule for one reason. He governed, true to his convictions, shut the state down for a little while, and then was like, nope, we're opening early. When he saw that the virus mutated, he was the first governor, loud and proud, to say, kids are going back to school, businesses are going to have the opportunity to be open, there is nothing we can do, people still may get sick, they may die, but we need open air, we need commerce, and you have seen Florida grow. 1,200 people per day moved to the state of Florida. A lot of those people came from northern states where they had been longtime Democrats, and it ultimately led to a 19-point victory in his reelect over now, quote-unquote, Democrat Charlie Crist. Florida's a swing state, y'all. That's the one thing I want you to take away. Georgia's definitely fought in the battlegrounds, but Florida, by and large, has flip-flopped more in the last 20 or 30 years than Georgia has. 19 points is a beating, and Governor DeSantis deserves that. The NAACP earlier this week said that Florida was a state that minorities need to be on the lookout. There's crime. It's adverse to their business. And Governor DeSantis came out and said, there are more successful black businesses in the state of Florida than there are anywhere else in the country. Yeah, sure. I don't like the way that Disney does things. I've used my attorney general's office and I've used my administration to target them in certain ways. But I'm not going to let you lie to the American people. Good for him. Because so often people just take it laying down, mild-mannered, aren't willing to fight over the things that matter. And Governor DeSantis largely has. Do I like the way that that man does everything? 
No, I think he made a huge miscalculation with Disney, not because I disagreed with the statement that he wanted to make, but that he overestimated the average person's ability to pay attention. You can't fight with Disney for two years because people lose interest. Average people have the ability to focus on something for 30, 60, or 90 days, and he's still out there pounding his chest over Disney. And people like me and people like you are like, yeah, good for you, man. You did the right thing. But I don't even listen to it anymore. And neither do you. I think that is the one thing that Governor DeSantis has got to do, do. But I think he's absolutely in the, in the catbird seat. When you look, it's going to take the average American six to nine months to figure out that Donald Trump is not going to be electable over Joe Biden. He's not. Ron DeSantis is the best option that we have as Americans. For several reasons. He's young. He's cognitively with it. He understands how states work. He understands how the federal government works. He's a former United States naval officer. DeSantis checks tons of boxes. His wife is out there on the campaign trail with him all the time, and that matters. That support matters. Where are you ever going to see Melania? You won't. I'm willing to bet that woman goes to bed every night and and hates him. But there are several other things that you have to be cognizant of. You've started to see other people enter that race. Mike Pence, Tim Scott, Nikki Haley. Think about having the gall to run for president again and having your own former vice president enter the race, knowing that you were already in it and knowing that he is in that race because you are the worst option and you meaning Donald Trump. That is an indictment on his leadership ability and his style points. With Americans. Nikki Haley was a cabinet member. I can't think of a single person I would ever nominate on a board or a commission who would think I was so bad for a city or a county or a state to be like, hell no. If you're running, I'm entering the race just so that I can point out all the things you didn't do. A lot of people loved the sound bites of the Trump administration. I was one of them. When you look, build the wall. That build the wall, that's the first one. We're going to build the wall. We're going to get all these illegal immigrants out. Well, I think that's awesome. I think that I believe in a pathway to citizenship. I also believe in paying two or three dollars for a carton of strawberries. So you can't necessarily lock everybody out. America's got a declining birth rate. America has a lot of issues moving moving forward. Can Donald Trump renegotiate a NAFTA deal with both chambers of Congress in order to get China off the doorstep from becoming Mexico's number one ally? I don't think so. I haven't seen Donald Trump do anything. The only thing that I have seen Donald Trump negotiate and hold people's feet to the fire over was 2% of GDP spending for NATO countries needs to go into their Department of Defense. That was a thousand percent the right thing to do. And he was right to do it. But he is the wrong messenger because he doesn't have a vision for this country. If you hear DeSantis come out with 10 points over the next year and make no mistake, he's got them all polled. You're going to be amazed. At what, at what that guy is able to do. Can you imagine having somebody who's got a law degree, who's been to Yale, who's been to Harvard, who's set in the United States military, where, by the way, Donald Trump was a draft dodger. That hasn't even come to light yet in a Republican primary, and nobody the last time around in 2016 was smart enough to point it out. DeSantis served this country honorably. I have plenty of issues, and I'll get the chance over the course of the next year to sit down and talk with him and ask him if he overplayed his hand, and he's going to say no, but he knows he probably did. You can catch the Ben Burnett Show on Tuesday and Thursday. This past week, I had Chris Clark, the Georgia Chamber of Commerce president and CEO. We talk about the issues that are really going to face Georgia, some of the really big wins, Kia, Hyundai, Rivian, 
how the state is growing with respect to workforce issues, how we're able to u- utilize the port and, and move our state forward, how he's been a part of all those through administration after administration, Governor Kemp, Governor Deal, and others. I'm going to have that interview coming up for you in just a couple of minutes on Extra 106.3. This is Atlanta's all-conservative talk station. You can follow me on Twitter at Ben Burnett. You can follow me on Instagram at The Ben Burnett Show. I love all of you. I love you the most. We will be right back. Spring is here and baseball is back. You can't forget the Derby. I love the hats. Do you have yours yet? My hat? I treated myself to a whole outfit. If you want to be able to treat yourself, then you should check out the Nest Savings Account at LGE Community Credit Union, where they want you to reach your savings goals faster. Take it from a pair of 680 The Fan wives. Head to lgeccu.org to find out what makes their team number one in Georgia. Support for Extra 106.3 comes from Natural Body Spa and Skin Remedy, celebrating their 35th anniversary and offering gift cards in-store and online. You can discover Mother's Day and anniversary presents online at Natural Body Spa and Skin Remedy at naturalbody.com. This is the Ben Burnett Show on Extra 106.3. Welcome into the Ben Burnett Show. My guest today is the Georgia Chamber of Commerce President and CEO, Chris Clark. Chris, welcome in. Thanks, Ben. Thanks for having me. It is so good to have you. I finally reached the pinnacle of business in the state of Georgia by having (laughs) the Chamber of Commerce. Chris, where did you grow up? I grew up in South Georgia in Fitzgerald and a little town next door to it called Osula. We lived in both those two towns when I was a kid. And Fitzgerald is a suburb of Tifton. <laughs> it is. Is that is, is it's that a, a distant <laughs> suburb of Tifton? Yeah, the joke was Osula was a suburb of Fitzgerald is more like it. So it's kind of stuck halfway between Tifton and Douglas. When you get to a place, school otherwise, like I think we all have the same vein of public service, pro business, things like that. What is the first memory that you have growing up of being interested in Chamber of Commerce-like things? When did you when did you think, you know, public service might be something I could be interested in? So, no, I, I, I really thought a lot about it as a kid. But, you know, it's interesting. Fitzgerald, where I grew up in the early 1980s when I was very young, we made the front page of the Wall Street Journal. And it was the biggest deal in town. It was because the, the, the Chamber of Commerce had recruited a new company to our town. All of a sudden, you didn't know exactly what that was and how it worked, but you knew it was a good thing. And I've always said, I think that planted a seed with me that chamber work, government work, there's honor there, there's opportunity to serve. But when you love free enterprise, it really kind of moves you in that different direction. So that was probably my first memory, and I was probably 11, 12 years old. Where did you go to college? I went to undergraduate at Georgia Southern and graduate uh, school at Georgia College in Milledgeville. Uh, and I'm on the board of trustees there there now, and so it's lovely to give back and be engaged. But What did you study undergrad and graduate school? Political science, undergraduate. That, and that's, a, that's, a, that's a layup of a guess if I have to go with the first It really time. disappointed my dad. <laughs> He was, he was like, like you're, what are you going to do, teach? Yeah, he's like, you're going into finance. I was like, I don't understand finance. I'm a graduate school was public administration. God, you're just like the stereotypical bureaucrat right That's there. That's horrible, isn't it? Yeah. Well, this guy, can we get him a math class? So it was cool, though. The one thing I did like about Georgia College's it's program beautiful. is when I went and sat down with the dean, he says, what do you want to do? And I said, I, I want to do something in this area called economic development and chamber. I'm not exactly sure what that looks like, but I need business classes 
as well as public administration. And they let me build my own program. So I took just as many business classes. I could have had an MBA by the time it was all over, but that was the program I was in. Well, and you get you get typecast as a business guy if you, sure. if you steer from that. Yeah. That, when you talk about economic development, I think it's a fascinating endeavor. I think Georgia does it incredibly well. What's the first job or first couple of jobs that get you interested? I like to show that regular people walk among us. Because <laughs> if you asked me, and I've sat in elected office, how you become the Georgia chamber president, I would have no idea. Sure. And I know more than 98% of people walking around, and I don't know how to answer that question. Listen, sometimes my family doesn't know what I do and how the chamber works. But for me, it was actually in grad school. We had two state project managers who were economic development project managers came to a class, and they talked about what they did. And I literally chased these two guys down the hall after class and said, I'm going to do what you do. Tell me how you do it and how you got there. And these guys, I bought them a Coke. And we sat there, and they told me what it is. One of them still a, a great friend today. And his dad happened to be commissioner of economic development, who has become a great mentor as well. So it, it's, it's interesting. But hearing those guys talk about helping businesses grow, that connected back to that time in Fitzgerald as a kid, it's like, oh, so there's, there's guys that get paid to go help businesses Bring. do what they do. Right. I want to do that in some form. And so, you know, I started at the local chamber level and then I went and worked for Governor Purdue for, for eight years before coming over into the Georgia chamber. How was, how did you get to know Governor Purdue? Is it just a, a middle Georgia thing? He was my state senator. Yeah. Sh- shockingly enough, you knock doors for, people always think that these guys live in the ivory tower. If you knock doors for somebody, they are they will be loyal to you forever. It's just been a great friendship. I actually talked to him uh, this weekend down in Savannah. But then when he ran for governor, I was his county chair, raised money, helped with economic development. And then he asked me to go be deputy commissioner of economic development once he was elected. How many years did you spend in that role? And is that where you really get to see the projects of scale that come through the state of Georgia in the day? Yeah. Yeah, because, I mean, running a chamber in a development authority in Fayette County and in Hawkinsville, where I had been before, those are small projects, but it's retail, kind of like retail politics. It's it's blocking tackling. It's helping small businesses, helping farmers. But when I got to the Department of Economic Development, I negotiated the Kia deal. I did Gulfstream's first big investment or expansion and another big announcement with uh, Aflac at the time. And so, yeah, over those four years, we you you were coming out of the recession after 2001. So you started to see some economic momentum that went really well. And so, yeah, I did that for four years and worked a lot of those projects and saw how it all worked. But Kia was, at the time, the Kia was the biggest deal in the country. And that was in 2005, I think we negotiated that deal. When you look at those opportunities, I hear Columbus, I hear Savannah, I mm-hmm. hear, you know, the project, Kia, you know, West West Point, which Lamar Wakefield was the architect down there. He's been on the show. He is the architect of Avalon, mm-hmm. the battery, done them mm-hmm. all over the place. They're just I, I love to have people on where you know the body of their work and you don't necessarily know, know who them. they were. Right. Uh, but listening to how listening to how those deals come together is fascinating because he was a core guy to bring the Braves to Cobb County. Mm-hmm. I was like, dude, nobody knows who you are. He's like, nobody ever asks. Well, that's, I always tell that. Or a hockey team in Forsyth County. Ex- exactly. <laughs> it's going to be awesome. Uh, you know, I tell economic, particularly young economic developers, so you don't get into this business because you get fame and fortune, but you'll drive past a facility 10 years from now and you'll realize 3,000 guys get up and go to work every day and get paid. And they're better fathers. 
can teach Sunday school, they coach Little League. And if that company wasn't there, if you didn't play that role, they wouldn't have those jobs. No, and I've I've had Burt Brantley as a friend of the show. I, I think his, you know, I don't know. He maybe he's taken your roadmap as as he's moved down to to Savannah and gotten out of economic development and working for the. The man, man with the sledgehammer. Yeah, uh, I mean, listen, he's running the chamber now. He worked, for, he worked, we worked together at the Department of Economic Development, but he knows how those projects work. But he knows that to support business, whether it's small business, big companies, you have to build coalitions, you have to convene, to work with people across the aisle, and you're doing it for, for the long term, for the long term benefit of that community. And Savannah's better for hiring him, but I'm so happy and proud that he's down in Savannah. Well, and what an ambassador for that region because he understands Atlanta's great and nobody ever takes anything away from Atlanta. Like Georgia is not Georgia without Atlanta. Sure. But if you look at the growth that has taken place around the state of Georgia, you've seen really a lot of the headline banner headlines of people coming into the state to invest in automobile manufacturers or batteries or the port with its expansion that seemed to take three decades. Mm -hmm. Nothing happens overnight. Talk to me about the projects that you have seen and the ones that you, you're probably not going to part with too much that that you guys might be working on today that you think makes this the best place in the country to do business. I think what's happening, Ben, is globally, you're seeing this realignment of supply chains and you're seeing companies that maybe went to China, went to India, are coming back now. And Georgia's well positioned because of the port, because of the workforce of our state, because of a pro-business governor and general assembly for 30 plus years now, we're a great destination for those companies. I think particularly what Governor Kemp has done, making us the buckle of the battery belt, if you will, with the solar projects, electric vehicle projects, those are game-changing long-term, not just change the game for a Savannah, but you're changing infrastructure, changing how people live, work, play, and pray. These aren't just a a fly-by-night company come in. They're making 50-year investments in our state. They're going to train up a whole new generation, and they're going to spin off technology and companies from now on. I mean, these are transformative projects long-term, and if you get one, that's pretty good. You get two, you're great. You get three, four, five, six, seven of those in a four-year period, which is what we've seen in Georgia— Listen, for for what was it, 25 or 30 years, the biggest project ever announced in Georgia was the Kia deal. I mean, I've, you know, proud you of that. that one. I was there. We did it. We negotiated, flew back and forth uh, for, for 11 weeks. And then when you have the SK project, that's the next biggest project since then. And you're thinking, gosh, one a decade, this is pretty good. And then all of a sudden you have another one six months later, and then you have Rivian, and then you have Q-Sales, you have SK's expansion, you have the new project in Noonan. These are massive, incredible, because not just it's not just the one building that you see. It's the 13 to 30 suppliers oh, yeah. that go into the more rural communities around there that lift, you know, lift every boat in that area. So you've had, to put this in perspective, you've had... 1,400 projects announced in four and a half years in Georgia that will invest just under $70 billion and hire 165,000 Georgians just from those 1,400 companies. And the pipeline behind it is just as full. When you look at the halo effect of those, and Mm -hmm. it's not Huntsville, Alabama has Mazda and Toyota, which is, you know, the, the automobile doesn't care where its battery is made, 
But if you're uh, if you're creating battery manufacturing jobs in Dalton, it's essentially two hours, and that's out of state. But that is a mm-hmm. regional economic driver, or Montgomery. With it's yep. not lost on anybody that Kia and Hyundai may partly be owned by the same same group of people. Absolutely, and, and they're not far from each other. But it is in their right to work states every time, every time. And I don't understand why a party in this country gets so hellbent and determined to fight for labor unions when all the investments in your country from an automobile manufacturing perspective. Look, they leave California. You're seeing it now. Right. They'll, it, they'll leave California and move to Arizona. They'll, they'll leave California and move here. They'll, they'll leave California yeah. and go to China. Right. Yeah. Think I, about that. Listen, the, the right to work has been one of the pillars of the Georgia Chamber for the last 50 years, and it will be for the next 50 years. And what I love is the fact that you've got, I think it's fairly common knowledge in Georgia, this works. Now, you do have some industries in Georgia that use union labor. It's not the big Chicago-controlled no. labor. Th- these are guys that are your buddies and are my buddies. Who You're are not doing crossing electrical. crafts, and I can't move this computer because right. it's not in my job description. Right. It's no. horrible. Yeah. No, that, that just doesn't work. But I, I remember when we first started the conversations with Kia, Hyundai had suppliers, wanted to be in the same region. But the other thing is, is they didn't want to be within a certain mile radius of union hubs. Yeah. And they were some of those that were legacy from legacy car uh, manufacturing in Georgia that were here in the Atlanta area, like Ford and Chevy. I want to ask you two questions because we talked about one of them off the air. I think that this country, I don't think it's Georgia. I think it. this country is woefully underprepared for escalating interest rates, work from home environments, yeah. and how office space is utilized in this country. And I hear nobody talking about it. And if you ask me at home, guys, the biggest problem that this country faces, you hear no one even talk about because it will be devastating to the nation's economy. Right. Talk about it. So I'm worried if we don't get innovative and think differently that we're going to look like we looked in the 1960s and 70s where you have a hollowing out of your cities. People, here's what we know. Young men and women, young talent, they won't live, work, play, pray communities. Downtowns are built for them. I mean, you're seeing at Avalon and others, new downtowns being built. But they're being built to a new standard of buildings with fresh air. I mean, all this pre, you basically are thinking post-COVID work, workplaces. We're seeing downtown Atlanta right now, and our office is in Tifton, Brunswick, and downtown Atlanta. You've got some spaces down there that are beautiful buildings, but companies don't want those anymore. You've got millions of square foot of vacant space, and now you're finding those companies either going into bankruptcy or looking at how do we reuse these? Can these be used for condos? Can they be used for apartments? Georgia State's done a lot of great work repurposing older buildings. And so we're going to have to have a hard conversation about a. We're really good at greenfield economic development. So, totally. Right? It's easy. I can go out there, get my permit, I get me some bulldozers, I can make it happen. We're not great at imploding. All. Yeah, yeah. We're not. Or rethinking what that use might be. And we, we had a little bit of this, I'd say probably in the late 90s in Georgia, where we had a lot of industrial buildings that had 15-foot ceilings that we had all built in the 1950s, and everything now needs 20, 30-foot ceilings. And so we went through, and you saw some adaptive reuse, a few incentives that came out, brownfield reuse. I think it's going to have to be much more than that. We're going to have to figure out how to incentivize building owners and investors with market rates like they are, 
how do we make this affordable to you just so our cities and our counties can have robust downtowns where young people want to live, work, play, and pray again? When you think about, because I'm sure this is a U.S. Chamber of Commerce conversation, too, especially inside of all the metro areas, you know, it's not a secret that there's plenty of people that live in Manhattan that are like, I don't have to go back to the office. Right. You have to be almost be forced into going back. You see Amazon and others being like, you're coming back three days a week? Welcome. Mm-hmm. But how? what do you think that the, the, the incentive packages look like? Because I will say it, I think that so much of what your really, really vibrant metro communities are, they take advantage of the subsidies. But there's not a lot of them out there for the interior rebuild out or adaptive reuse. And I think that the state's economy, if it can get in front of this, and I don't mean five years from now, I mean, take swings at it to enable the the state and the counties and the municipalities to look at abatement type activities Mm -hmm. now when these amortization schedules reset, yeah. there's plenty of people handing the keys back. Well, and you've got to look at rezoning, too. We, we, we need smart zoning. You know, having zoning that was built on 1974 is not going to work in a very different environment, which is a whole other, you know, road that we can go down. The, here's a couple of the, the projective, projective figures that we're looking at. About a 20% decrease in Class A office space by 2030. And that's soon. That, yeah, that's not far off. And so you're seeing a lot of companies right now coming in and doing these hub and spoke models where we maybe put the tech center in, the, in this location. I met with a company the other day. I won't say who it is. They'll have a tech center located downtown. But then for their other workers, they're going to have satellite offices around Atlanta so you can come into multiple days a week without having to make that commute. So what the research shows us is that by 2030, roughly 77% of jobs would be eligible for some type of hybrid workforce. Now, listen, doctors, nurses, the guys that string our lines for the power company, they're always going to go in, right? Manufacturing. But, well, I will say this. I'm seeing manufacturers offer alternative work schedules and trying to get very creative. But once you give that to people, you don't get to take it back. No, man. Zoom. It's, yeah, not go- you, it's not going away. Microsoft it, Teams is everybody's best friend and it's wor- the worst enemy. And I've been telling businesses since COVID, you have to figure this out. You're going to have to figure out how to motivate people to come in, but then also give them flexibility. And what we find in the research shows this is if I'm asking someone to come into the office today and all they're going to do is sit at their desk and in their head, they're thinking, I could be doing this at home. But I just wasted 20 bucks of gas in right. two hours of my life. And so when you're in the office, it's got to be collaborative. When you come in today, we're going to have 14 meetings, and we're going to work through these three things. And that's where innovation comes from. Bud Peterson, former president of Georgia Tech, used to say super, innovation. Super dude. Incredible guy. used to tell me all the time, innovation comes from when you bump elbows. you got to be that close to think and take your idea to the next level. And so I think that's what you're starting to see companies say, listen, we'll go three days a week. That'll probably be the standard. Fridays will be mainly work from home for folks. I think if you try to commute into Atlanta on a Friday now, it's a pretty easy commute. And it, and it used to not be awful, if that, if you want to know the truth. Well, it was that, that was the one day where it was like, hey, you know. Yeah. Eh. So that, that, that's where we're going, and, and business is going to have to adapt. But what's cool is I'm seeing manufacturers start to figure this out. I have one who shifted their schedules, and so all of their employees get off at 3 o'clock, 3 p.m. now. And I said, that's, you know, used to run till 6 or 7 at night. Why 3? Sun's, sun's out, baby. Well, what he said <laughs> was, I want my employees to go pick up their kids from school. I want them to coach literally. That's why I'm sponsoring all these teams. I want them to spend that family time 
And what he saw was his retention rate went through the roof when he went to that three o'clock. He didn't have the turnover that he used to have. And so you'll start seeing more companies think creatively like that. When you look at knowing that that is the thing, if you had an industry, let's just be totally vendor agnostic, company agnostic. Okay. I used to say, I would tell our assistant city administrator in Alpharetta all the time, with Fort Gordon and Maxwell Air Force Base and and Robbins Air Force Base, and knowing that Atlanta has the workforce, you know, and it's Scott Dobbins, but it's not what it was 20 or 30 years ago or Fort McPherson. I was like, why do we not chase Department of Defense contractors <laughs> uh, in, in Metro Atlanta? Because Georgia Tech is as research a university around math, science, and technology as anywhere in the world. Yeah. What, but, but that's my opinion. What, what is your, if there was an industry that you thought Georgia was mm-hmm. ripe for that it has underachieved with, and I, you say that knowing that there's time to go, go chase tomorrow, like what interests you, Chris? No, I think any, I think a lot of companies, and we're starting to see this happen in particularly around Georgia Tech downtown, our companies are looking at the innovation space, right? That tech space, that spinoff company space, all the stuff Silicon Valley has done re- really well. I, I, I don't like the guys talking about we're the new Silicon Valley. We don't need to do that. <laughs> it's sometimes it's not what you say, it's what you don't. Go exactly. on. Exactly. <laughs> so we, we, it's not what we, what we need, but we do have strengths here, financial services, right? How do you spin those off and to create new companies? Uh, the fact that, um, you know, we've got a, a betting manufacturer who's building an innovation space here, Uh that's the type of companies that are going to have long-term, bigger impact. We missed that for a lot of years. Baxalta was the first big you know, biotech company that came to Georgia. We missed them for years. Now they're spinning off, and you're seeing the benefit from that. So I think any, any company, if a company is not an innovative company and they're not focused on innovation technology, they're not going to survive the next decade. So I, I don't know if I can pick a specific industry, but it's all the companies that we're seeing build those innovation hubs look to bring that next-gen talent thinking, that's what we want here. When you evaluate what you want to do when you grow up, like let's assume that you've got another job in you and you can't answer with Georgia Chamber of Commerce head. If there was something that you could do, knowing the background that you've had along the way, if there was something that pulled on you that you didn't have the ability to do today that you wanted to chase, what would that look like? Gosh, I don't know. I feel so blessed to have this job that oh, I have. Oh, man, that's political. But no, I really do. I, f- I feel blessed. Uh, I don't know unless I could unless I could make a living as a fly fishing guide. I asked, I actually. That's that's a hard one. Chris to Carr said he wanted to be a crab fisherman. Which, and I was like, you know what, man? Like, after all the stuff you've been through, yeah. it's like, knock yourself out, dude. Yeah, I mean, if I could, um, <laughs> yeah, if I could be a fly fishing guide, I think that'd be. They'd be high on the list. Yeah. Well, I, well, you you can get – there's some trout in Chattahoochee. Oh, I've caught some huge trout just right down the road from here. When, um, when, you, when you think about that, one of the things I like to ask people that have networks like you have, if you had a guest that I should – somebody I should reach out to that you think would be a really good fit to talk – as you can tell, we don't really do – we have lots of people in public service, but we don't really get political. It's yeah. like – who are you? Not why do you feel a certain way? Who would you Who would you tell me to call? I'll tell you one. Uh, I'm I'm about to release my first book, and as part of that book, I interviewed a lot of executives and CEOs. And one, and I I, I think I spent about two hours with him. I could have spent five hours with him. Is Jimmy Blanchard, who is a former CEO of Synovus. He's an incredible servant-hearted uh, leader in his community, in the state, quite frankly, in the country. Uh, 
the lessons that he has, the stories that he can tell for what you did right, what you do wrong, how you build the right culture. I think it's this, a story that everyone ought to hear. Uh, and so I would, I'd put him high on the list. That's awesome. Well, Chris Clark from the Georgia Chamber. Man, it is an honor to have you. Thank thanks, you for, no, thanks, thanks for, for it's an honor for me to be here. And so I hope you guys take uh, take us up on the ability to just host your big time clients and, and come in here and do do the Braves game. It'd be awesome. It's a great flyer to be like, come hang out at six eighty the fan before we go to the game. Absolutely. No, we're we're totally going to be back. Support for Extra 106.3 comes from Natural Body Spa and Skin Remedy, celebrating their 35th anniversary and offering gift cards in-store and online. You can discover Mother's Day and anniversary presents online at Natural Body Spa and Skin Remedy at naturalbody.com. Tonight in Arkansas, there's a mother tucking in her daughter and turning off the light. A business owner is burning the midnight oil. An at-home dinner date is plating up possibility. And it's all happening under one roof. How? The power of a conversation, like the one John from Integrity Solutions had with First Horizon Bank about his vision for a sustainable mixed-use building. Now it's not just words, it's life. First Horizon Bank, let's find a way. Go to firsthorizon.com slash John. First Horizon Bank, member FDIC. This is the Ben Burnett Show on Extra 106.3. Welcome back to the Ben Burnett Show. Thanks so much to Chris Clark, the Georgia Chamber of Commerce president and CEO for making time for me today. Chris is a super bright guy. Got into public service because he was interested in economic development, went to Georgia College, learned a little bit more about that. Met Sonny Purdue somewhere along the way when he was a state senator and the rest is history. You look at guys like Chris, he's been a part of some really instrumental deals with the Korean automobile manufacturers coming to the state of Georgia, battery manufacturers. He is one of the guys who has transcended this state into a totally different place. I am grateful to people like that who strive to invest in rural parts of the state because the rural parts of the state are the rural parts of this country. And we live in Atlanta and we love Atlanta, but we don't need everybody living here. The closer we can get these jobs to our homes, the cheaper your goods and services are going to be. The last thing I want to get to this week is Candace Taylor. Candace is a quote-unquote retired educator who is the chairman of the first district for the Georgia GOP. She ran for governor in a Republican primary against Brian Kemp and David Perdue, and she had no business being out there. She also apparently believes that the earth is flat. Pay attention, guys. These are the people who make decisions and put up candidates to represent you in office. More and more, I'm like, it doesn't make sense. So is it or not? I don't know 100%, but it's just, it doesn't make sense the other way. Now that you see it. it. the, The people that defend the globe don't know anything about the globe, because if they knew a tenth of what Matt and I know about the globe, they would be flat earthers because it's absolutely ridiculous. I I can't unsee this. All the globes everywhere. I turn on TV. There's globes in the background. There's globes on there right here. Like this would be a globe if I was a normal person. Like everywhere there's globes. You see them all the time. I mean, it's constant. My children will be like, Mama, globe, 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 globe. They're everywhere. And that's what they do to brainwash. And so for me, if it is not a conspiracy, if it is, you know, real why are you pushing so hard everywhere I go, every store, you buy a globe, there's globes everywhere, every movie, every TV show, news media. Why? Guys, sometimes I just wonder if I'm politically homeless 
I'm not the smartest guy who has ever lived by any stretch of the imagination. I felt like I sat in elected office and did my level best to make good decisions for an affluent community in Alpharetta. I did a lot of really, really good things with that. I've helped people get elected. Some of them I continue to agree with and support. Some of them I don't. The fact that Candace Taylor convinced a majority of delegates in the 1st District to elect her to represent them with respect to the Georgia GOP tells me all I need to know moving forward. When you guys ask all the time, and I get a message every single week, why don't you like Donald Trump? I don't like Donald Trump because he wasn't actually a conservative. He spent trillions of dollars that this country didn't have, and plenty of people went along for the ride and cashed their $1,200 checks and never asked themselves the next question. I don't even know that Candace Taylor has the ability to be asked the first question. And I don't blame her for being a lunatic. I blame the people in her district for saying she's the right person to drive this party forward. When you see people like Brian Kemp, who is a conservative, and he believes in subsidizing things that make sense, but he believes in doing the right thing for everybody. Candace Taylor couldn't help me cross the street. And the fact that there are people in this world who think and are willing to put on a public forum that the earth is flat and the globalists, I've always thought globalists meant you believed in a global economy. I kind of believe in a global economy. I buy stuff from all sorts of stores. I know they were made in the four corners of the earth. But Ferdinand Magellan in the late 1500s proved that the earth wasn't flat. In any of you who have ever gotten on a Delta Airlines flight and watched the flight tracker knows that if you take off from the United States and go to Europe, you fly up somewhere close to the North Pole and you come back down. Do you know why? Because it makes the travel time shorter and the pilots utilize the way the earth rotates in order to get you there more efficiently and cheaper than you otherwise would. Georgia should be ashamed that people like this have a platform at all to be quoted all over Rolling Stone, the AJC, the New York Times. It's embarrassing. And I tell you guys this. Sometimes I, I am a conservative's conservative. But when people like her open her mouth and confirm that so many of us are idiots, it makes it very difficult to find persuadable voters that sit in the middle. Because those are the people that we need to be fighting over. I don't even want to have a conversation with somebody whose platform is Jesus, guns, and babies. The best parts about America are business-friendly. Ask anybody who has ever moved here from any other parts of the world. It's the greatest place you can ever live. Nobody moves here because of our gun laws. Nobody moves here because of our stance on pro-abortion or anti-abortion. That, that conversation and that argument is going to get sorted out over the next, over the next generation. And candidly, I hope it does. I am sick and tired of listening to people like that because they cause good Republicans to lose. I said it. Candace Taylor's job or the Georgia GOP chairman's job is, one, is, is, is twofold. They're tasked to raise money and they are tasked to recruit good candidates. 
Whoever talked that woman into running for governor should be ashamed. And whoever donated her a dollar should be even more ashamed because we have to be a people who drive the drive the world forward. I give Donald Trump a lot of criticism because the guy lives life in the rearview mirror. Donald Trump looks like the most forward-thinking individual in the country's history compared to her, who wants to have an argument over something that got disproved over 400 years ago. Go to a geography class or a social studies class. Ask a scientist, did you ever think about that? I wonder all the time, what are we doing here? Because people like that are are simply going to cause the rest of us to lose. And when you sign up and you fall hook, line, and sinker for the conversations in this world about school choice, remember, that woman advertises on her website that she spent 19 years as an educator. Are you going to let her anywhere near your children? No. And the pitiful thing is I've got to choose at this point between the DEI initiatives of the left and people like Candace Taylor on the quote-unquote right. It's pitiful. You can follow me on Twitter, at Ben Burnett. You can follow me on Instagram at The Ben Burnett Show. I am grateful to each and every one of you for making me a part of your day. Six o'clock tonight, you can listen to The Cars Turn Left from Charlotte Motor Speedway, 600 miles. It is going to be exciting. One of the highest-rated races of the year. No points. There's no points for second place. There's really no points for first. You win that race, and you get millions of dollars, and if you come in second, you get absolutely nothing. That is America's version of capitalism. Grateful to all of you. Grateful to Chris Clark for making time for me today. Congratulations to Tim Scott and Ron DeSantis for jumping into the fray for the 2024 fight. As we watch things coalesce, move along, and the alliances get formed, it's going to be interesting, y'all. I love each and every one of you. Send me a note. If you will, I will send you a Yeti. I've got a new round of them ordered. I love all of you. I love you the most. We will see you guys next week. Make it a good one. Support for Extra 106.3 comes from Natural Body Spa and Skin Remedy, celebrating their 35th anniversary and offering gift cards in-store and online. You can discover Mother's Day and anniversary presents online at Natural Body Spa and Skin Remedy at naturalbody.com. This morning in the Atlanta airport, no one's missing a meal on Mac Wilburn's watch. With 11 restaurants to serve passengers, he's got dining for every destination. And it all started when Mac talked with First Horizon Bank about opening a franchise in the airport. Now it's open for business and cleared for takeoff. First Horizon Bank, let's find a way. Go to firsthorizon.com slash Mac. First Horizon Bank, member FDIC. Hey, sandwich lovers, today's your lucky day. There's a whole new way to roll for lunch or dinner delight with Nucky's Hoagies in the Roswell Corners Shopping Center. Now open, Nucky's Hoagies in Roswell is family owned and operated by the subsisters, Stacy and Shannon, whose love language is food and Nucky's Hoagies, their passion. When you bite into a Nucky's Hoagie, you'll taste the difference. The softest hoagie rolls ever, along with hunger-quenching sandwich combinations. Make Nucky's Hoagies in Roswell on Woodstock Road your new favorite spot for lunch or dinner.